0: Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region.
1: Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. The House of Saud had more than three months to prepare for a new reality in its American connection. Ever since President Donald Trump lost his bid to stay in the White House, but the blow it suffered was nevertheless painful. President Joe Biden has opened a new chapter in the relationship between Washington and Riyadh. First, Biden withdrew political and military support from Saudi offensive operations in Yemen, allowing only defensive actions to protect targets within the Kingdom. Then, he released an intelligence report pinning the responsibility for Jamal Khashoggi's murder on the Crown Prince and de facto ruler, Mohammed bin Salman. While stopping short of punishing MBS personally, Biden is in essence intervening in the internal affairs of Saudi Arabia and its regime. What are the risks and consequences in this departure from the previous Administration's policy, as the Iranian threat is still central to the regional strategy of both the Americans and Saudis? To analyze this topic, we are joined from the United Kingdom by Colonel Richard Kemp who is the former head of International Terrorism Intelligence Team at the British Cabinet Office. Thank you for, uh, for joining us, sir. My pleasure to you, sir. Also joining us from Central Israel is Dr. Joshua Krasna, who is a Lecturer on Intelligence and Mideast Security at New York University and a Research Fellow at the Moshe Dayan Center at Tel Aviv University. Thank you for joining us as well.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: And uh, with us here in the studio is our TV7 analyst and host of uh, TV7's Watchmen Talk, Mr. Amir Oren. Give us a, a short review of what is currently the state of affairs vis-a-vis Saudi Arabia.
0: Let's start with optics, because we are, after all, speaking uh, in an optical medium. Uh, a few days ago, the um, U.S. Air Force, and more specifically, absent the uh, Air Force, component of uh, Central Command, um, made a deliberate effort to show the region um, a couple of B-52 bombers in a flyby over the region. Over each part of the region or each country, they were escorted by uh, fighter planes uh, produced by the United States. Belonging either to the Israeli Air Force, the Qatari Air Force, or the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia's Air Force and this was supposed to show first of all the American commitment to uh, the defense of uh, Pro-American partners in the region and secondly that there are commonalities between partners in this region, such as Israel and several uh, Arabian Gulf uh, countries. Now, President Biden is walking a very fine line in trying, first of all, to show that he is now embarking on a foreign policy of his own, which is uh, obviously different, uh, almost the opposite of his predecessors. First of all, uh, as you mentioned, He has stopped um, giving the Saudis permission to use American-produced arms for offensive operations in Yemen, while letting them protect the kingdom from uh, Houthi attacks uh, being launched from Yemen into uh, Saudi Arabia. Then there was the Khashoggi um, report, which sanctioned several uh, uh, Saudis-supervised by MBS reporting directly to him, but again, stopping short of punishing uh, the prince himself. But there is a signal there. Uh, Biden said that his counterpart is the old and ailing King Salman, not uh, MBS who used to be the uh, interlocutor with Jared Kushner and others in the Trump administration. Also, for the uh, Biden administration, human rights is a domestic issue. It is not only a foreign policy or national security issue. The uh, so-called progressive wing of the Democratic Party is putting a lot of pressure on Biden to conform to their views. And uh, Biden must show them that while he is fighting Iran and uh, he is against the Iranian practice of um, torturing and uh, abusing human rights in Iran, he does not have a double standard when it comes to Saudi Arabia and other countries.
1: Well, uh, so uh, it seems, uh, I'd like to refer the next question to Dr. Krasna. Uh, To what degree do you see currently the the state of affairs uh, in the bilateral relations uh, between uh, the United States and the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia actually impact regional stability?
2: So um, I think it hasn't impacted it yet, uh, but I think that um, that um, there's a, um, the American uh, policy has two elements, uh, two, say, conflicting elements, which I think are causing a little bit of uh, agitation in the region. The first is, of course, as Amir pointed out, um, a kind of more aggressive uh, American uh, position towards uh, uh, Mohammed bin Salman, um, by the way, not only I think pushed by the progressive wing of the Democratic Party, Hamad um, bin Salman and Saudi Arabia in general is, uh, is fairly unpopular. Among most of the Democratic Party, also by the way, among parts of the Republican Party, uh, after Khashoggi's assassination, there was actually uh, a, a large amount of bipartisan support for um, for the investigation and for the need for Congress, uh, for the need for the uh, Intelligence Committee to present to Congress um, a report. Which was what uh, was done last month, which uh, the um, Trump administration had not ha- had not demanded, um, and of course uh, um, the change of policy regarding the Futhis and the change in policy regarding, the, uh, in policy regarding um, uh, Saudi Arabia. On the other hand, in the end, King Salman, uh, Prince, Salman, uh, King uh, King Salman um, was perceived by Biden as his counterpart, but Mohammed bin Salman, in the end, and there was. Interesting reports in American uh, in the American press about how long this process took, but in the end they were decided that he would not be sanctioned at all. In other words, um, while uh, sanctions were put on 76 different uh, uh, Saudis, um, apparently there had been a suggestion of of, of uh, uh, putting some uh, taking some sorts of steps against uh, uh Saman, and they weren't taken. They weren't taken because of real politic reasons of the um, of the administration understanding. That when it is pursuing a change in policy regarding Iran, to change its, part its, its policy too egregiously regarding Saudi Arabia would be a bridge too far. And in fact, um, and I'm, I'm sure we'll discuss this later. I think part of what's going on now in terms of Saudi Arabian security and in terms of the, um, let's say, um, uh, the um, uh, increased activity by the Houthis and apparently by others against Saudi Arabia. Um, may be a way of sort of testing the Americans and seeing to what extent um, their policy, um, wanting a rapprochement with Iran and their pro- uh, policy, looking for a little bit of recalibration, as they say, with the rela- relationship with Saudi Arabia, how much that then um, impacts on the American uh, willingness to defend Saudi Arabia against threats.
1: Indeed. Uh, Colonel Kemp, uh, uh, same question to you, but I'd like also to point specifically to the fact that the U.S. State Department uh, revoked the designation of uh, Ansar Allah or uh, the Houthi militia uh, from its foreign terrorist list on the uh, 16th of February, uh, after which, uh, ironically, the number of attacks increased significantly uh, when we're talking about attacks uh, by the Houthis uh, against Saudi Arabia, both civilian and military installations, using Iranian weapons, both ballistic uh, missiles and suicide drones, uh, which then impacted global oil prices uh, uh, just last week, reaching $71 per barrel Uh, of crude oil, uh, which is at the highest it has been uh, for a short or brief period of time after the attack uh, since the corona uh, pandemic or crisis started. Uh, How do you see this actually uh, signify, basically, potentially even failure of American foreign policy with regard to this specific situation in the short or immediate term?
3: Well, I I think this is a, a triple whammy. Effectively against Saudi Arabia, um, sanctioning members of the uh, Saudi administration, Saudi government, and um, at the same time denying Saudi the the use of U.S. precision weapons, and um, effectively, not I wouldn't say giving the Houthis a free hand, but certainly maybe maybe giving them a freer hand uh, in terms of uh, taking them from the designation list. That that I think is not just a message to. Uh, President Biden's domestic supporters. Uh, It's also probably more so a message to Iran, obviously, a message, I believe, of appeasement towards Iran. It appears that the administration, although I don't believe they've made their mind up yet, the administration is very enthusiastic about the idea of returning to the nuclear deal and making these kind of gestures uh, in relation to Saudi Arabia, I think. They hope to play the right music to Iran as well. Uh, It's also a message to Saudi Arabia and to other regional allies, including Israel, that the situation's changed. This is not the Trump administration anymore. You needn't expect to get the same fair wind from President Biden as you got from President Trump. And obviously, you know, to 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 cause problems for Saudi is to cause problems in effect for Israel and certainly to send a message to Israel. Uh, I think it's, a, it's a, a pretty big mistake, in my view, to to cut off the use of precision weapons and presumably other forms of U.S. cooperation to Saudi in trying to defend itself against, and it's not just its own country, but also the, the government of Yemen, against Iranian aggression directed to the Houthis. Um, I'm, I'm happy to say at the moment, and I wouldn't be surprised if Britain doesn't follow suit, but for the moment anyway, Britain has not gone along with President Biden's uh, policy, and he still, and we still um, are providing both weapons, intelligence, and advice, and other forms of cooperation to the Saudis in the war in Yemen. As I say, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we don't uh, follow the American path there. But I believe it's it's a bit of a mistake, because although the war in Yemen has been catastrophic, uh, I think even more catastrophic would be to allow the collapse, the complete victory of the Houthis there, and give them not just effectively Iran, that is, control of uh, of a key state, the key state of Yemen, but also a, a base from which to threaten even more than they are at present Saudi Arabia
1: well uh, that is a a very um concerning scenario for several countries in the region of course controlling yemen would also uh in in various terms mean the control of the bab el mandeb or at least influence it significantly which is the the key corridor entering the red sea which uh, could just be blocked in, in one act, and if Iranian influence is there, it could basically block all of uh, Israel's southern ports and and uh, impact Israel significantly. How are those things uh, calculated here in, in Jerusalem or the Defense Department in Tel Aviv? And uh, to what degree do you see, as also Colonel Kemp mentioned, the fact that uh, not only the UK, but France and other countries' actors in Europe – are not necessarily going along at this stage with the United States?
0: Well, one doesn't have um, uh, to be uh, invited to the uh, daily conferences of uh, Mossad or uh, CIA. Uh, All one has to do is look at the map and see that uh, what you pointed out is really ominous on two levels. One, as you said, is uh, maritime security. Uh, alongside the Gulf of Oman, the the Indian Ocean, Gulf of Aden um, and then the approaches to the Red Sea, Suez Canal and so on and so forth. The other is Yemen itself as a launching pad to missiles uh, uh, whose range can reach uh, Israel among other targets. So yes it is in Israel's national security to uh, explore what is happening Um, in in Yemen um, and uh, make sure if necessary to preempt whatever uh, happens there uh, against uh, Israel. But in addition to that, uh, if you look at the um, Israeli-Saudi relationship, uh, there was a feeling after mid-September, after the Israeli agreements with Uh, the uh, UAE and Bahrain that Saudi Arabia would soon follow and obviously there was a debate uh, in the councils of war uh, in Riyadh and they uh, backtracked Uh, shortly before the elections in the US when Secretary Pompeo made uh, his rounds here There was this uh, semi-secret meeting between Netanyahu and MBS um, at uh, the uh, new city of Neom Um, On the uh, Saudi shore of the Red Sea and out of that nothing came Uh, No Saudi uh, Declaration of normalization of or any other step perhaps they wanted to save it as a gift to the new administration Especially if Biden were to win as as was evident uh, then But if this was their calculation, they missed the boat whether the boat uh, left the port of Aden Hudaydah is something else, but uh, This particular boat has left the pier and they are not going uh, to get on Biden's uh, Good side just by saying now something favorable to Israel
1: Dr. Krasna, what is the state of affairs currently in Saudi Arabia? Uh, to what degree is it frustrated with uh, the United States uh, and what can we expect from it in the near future?
2: so um, I think that Saudi Arabia is frustrated. You know, I don't think it's a it's a, a leap of assessment to assume they're frustrated from the United States, but I think they're also um, quite concerned. Uh, the relationship, the strategic relationship with the United States, is um, uh, apart from from their oil uh, uh, um, uh, resources, is probably their single, uh, single greatest strategic asset, and their street and has probably the single, single greatest contribution to their. Uh, um deterrence uh in the region uh Saudi Arabia is a country that has a lot of weapons um but um, is certainly um not a not a, one of the more it's one of the more significant um uh powers in terms of its hardware it is not a particularly uh it has not been particularly effective or or uh, or threatening uh military power and to a large extent, uh, um, that is built on this part of the United States. To the extent that the United States is seen as looking for to put sunlight between itself and, and Saudi Arabia, that's very worried, worrying to the Saudis. Now, um, one of the interesting things you see is that, despite the fact that the Saudis um, do blame Iran for the most recent uh, uh, events, if you look over the uh, what's going on, what's gone on the past year and a half uh, since the attack in 2019 on the Aramco. Um, uh, facilities. You see that Saudi Arabia is extremely careful not to um, not to poke the Iranians too far, because again, I think they're not convinced that the United States would uh, would st- The United States didn't stand behind them in 2019. I think they're a little bit concerned, and you know whether there's aerial theater, as you spoke of in the beginning, with B-52s flying back and forth. You know, yes, everybody knows the United States has the capabilities. The question is whether the United States. Is going uh, is going to use them, and so I think that Saudi Arabia. I think that uh, I don't think that Mohammed bin Salman's rule is right now in in question. But I do think that uh, that he's quite concerned. He's concerned about other things as well. He's concerned about the uh, the possibility of uh, of uh, the world demand of oil going down uh, going down. He's concerned about. Um, about uh, various economic issues, of course, concerned about corona as well. So uh, I think that they did take several steps in the beginning of the Biden administration to try to release some people who were being held and and try to sort of build a better uh, image. And I think that they might be encouraged by the fact that in the end, after the publication of the intelligence community um, report, in the end, Mohammed bin Salman has not been targeted. And what the uh, Americans seem to be signaling is, we're not that happy with you, but we still need you. Indeed. Colonel Kemp, uh, I'd like
1: to, to hear from you more on the European perspective uh, to this whole situation. The United Kingdom is obviously heavily invested in Saudi Arabia, uh, both on the, the front of natural resources, but also uh, on other aspects of uh, mutual interest uh, with uh, uh, the Kingdom. And uh, then we have also France, uh, which is also very heavily uh, invested in in this region, including in Saudi Arabia, uh, which uh, made it more of a hawk towards the Iranian uh, issue during the negotiations of 2015. How do you see all of this uh, coming into line with the fact that also earlier you mentioned that uh, the UK and, and other European powers may seek to become more aligned with US foreign policy even though it's not currently there?
3: I think the, I think the, um, the European countries, um, obviously, with, with very few exceptions, and certainly the EU as a whole, and Britain, have very, very uh, strong financial interests in Saudi Arabia. Oil obviously being uh, number one, also weapons fails, is, is very significant for, for a number of European countries, again, particularly Britain and France. Um, so, so the relationship there is very important. Uh, I think, um, the relationship between, um, European countries and the United States is also extremely important. So obviously, you know, there was, there was a, a good deal of rocky ground during the, uh, the Trump administration when the Europeans actually did their best whenever they could to distance themselves from Trump's policies and decisions. I think, um, they feel in, in many capitals. They feel a desire to, to shall we say, to catch up and to to be seen to be more closely realigned with the U.S. now under the Biden administration. So I believe that they, there is a very strong likelihood, despite any uh, economic interests in relation to Saudi and other countries in the Middle East, that that European countries will tend to go along with. Biden's policies as much as they possibly can and I think that will as I mentioned extend to the um the you know the support for Saudi in the war in in Yemen um the the other issue that I think is is um the, or the the other factor I think that's relevant here is that European governments at the moment and I include the British government in that are under immense stress um, as governments are around the world, from a number of different factors, including of course coronavirus, probably above all coronavirus, but other other stress factors as well, and in, in, including you know the realignment potentially of relationship with China, with Russia, and therefore I think that the, the foreign policy bandwidth for the Middle East is probably less than it might normally be, and so that would be another another factor I think in. Um, my my view that, 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 you know, there'll be maybe almost a default alignment with U.S. policy over over the Middle East. I think one other area that we haven't touched on, you may be wanting to touch on it shortly, is um, the the effect that uh, maybe a calling of relationships between the United States and Saudi Arabia has on the relationship between Israel and Saudi Arabia. And, of course, I think that, if anything, is likely to be strengthened. It's already strong. But of course, that also depends on the outcome, um, which I'm far from qualified to comment on of the election in Israel uh, in a few days time, which, you know, depending on how that goes, could again affect the, uh, the, the, the regard in which um, Saudi Arabia holds Israel and the, 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 the degree to which Saudi Arabia will see Israel as being maybe its strongest ally in the world.
1: Indeed. Well, uh, I'd like to touch on two points specifically, Mr. Oren. The one thing is indeed, as Dr. Krasner mentioned, the uh, the, uh, fact that the United States has the tools with uh, the show of force, with the B-52H class, uh, making those sorties, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was seven separate sorties in the last year, which uh, were plenty of signals. Now, uh, signals and political capability uh, and military capabilities don't necessarily mean that there is political will to back it up. Now, the meeting that you refer to later uh, goes hand in hand with the last point of Colonel Kemp with regard specifically to uh, the meeting between Netanyahu and Muhammad bin Salman, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia in the city of Neom, which Neom obviously means neo for Uh, The Greek word of new and then M for mustaqbal, which means a future. So the new future might be Specifically in the relationship between Saudi Arabia and Israel in this context How do you see something like this really evolve considering all the the unknowns in this? uh, Relationship for that matter
0: there can hardly be uh, an Israeli Saudi or Israeli Emirati Uh, Alliance without the United States. They are not going to leapfrog over their uh, common benefactor the uh, uh, most powerful uh, uh, actor here, however uh, diplomatically the Biden administration uh, has made an effort to uh, include uh, Israel and Saudi Arabia and others in its consultations regarding the return to negotiations with Iran. It doesn't mean that uh, either Jerusalem or Riyadh will have a veto over American policy, but it will have, they will have uh, some input, and this is an encouraging sign.
1: Closing statements, Dr. Krasna, 20 seconds for you.
0: Okay,
2: I'll say so quickly, Israel and Saudi Arabia, their uh, relations improved uh, significantly in 2015 when they had to do Uh, political and strategic, um, uh, very close strategic and political collaboration facing the JCPOA. And I think they're going back into that position. It's clear that they're both U.S. allies, but they're both extremely concerned about both the U.S. will and uh, uh, the future of U.S. engagement in the region. And when the United States looks uh, easier towards Iran, it tends to push the two of them together, not necessarily to the place where they will formalize relations, but certainly to an even higher level, expected level of coordination and collaboration.
1: Colonel Kim, same uh, time for you.
3: Yeah, well, I agree with with all of that, and I also would add that I think um, it was mentioned earlier, but I think uh, depending on how Israel stands after the election and what the what, who is leading the country and what their policy is in relation to the JCPOA, the Middle East generally, etc., um, you know, uh, and also the cooling of relations between Saudi Arabia and uh, and the United States potentially, I think that the likelihood is. Um, that Saudi will maybe look at—I wouldn't call it a rapprochement, but maybe a more of a conciliatory relationship with Iran, rather than going into um, you know the kind of confrontation that we might have seen under a different U.S. administration and maybe a different Israeli government. Indeed, Mr. Owen.
0: Let me just reassure our friend uh, Richard Kemp regarding the results of the uh, forthcoming Israeli uh, elections. Whoever ends up as prime minister, whoever ends up as minister of defense, there is a basic continuity in Israeli national security policy, and uh, it will go on regardless of the figure in the prime minister's office.
1: Indeed, there are too many variables in that section. But uh, this is all the time that we have for today. So I'd like to thank Dr. Krasna, Colonel Kemp, as well as Mr. Oren for being part of today's panel. And I'd like to thank our viewers as well. And we will see you next time.